Good evening, New Life Church. I am Brian, and I'm the online campus pastor here at the New Life Church Network, and I am so excited to have you joining me tonight. I wanted to remind you really quickly about our online campus mantra. It's easy to remember. It's invite and engage. We want you to right now stop what you're doing, tag someone in a comment on this video, and invite them to join you digitally and sit next to you digitally, and then engage with what's going on. Questions are going to be asked. Thoughts are going to be put out there. We want you to answer those questions, put your thoughts in the comments, anything that comes to mind. And we would love to interact with you in the comments in, in real time. And so make sure you're inviting and engaging. I promise you that is the most important thing that you can do towards spreading the name of Jesus on uh, online, uh, whatever platform you're joining us on, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, whatever it is, uh, just it helps the algorithms, the Facebook algorithms put these posts in front of more people when we invite and engage. And so if you want to spread the good news about Jesus, that's how you do it digitally. So please make sure you do that. And if you call New Life Church your home church and you want to support the ministries here, you know, God has called us to give 10% of our income and even above and beyond that as he lays it on our hearts. And if you would like to answer that call, you can always do that at our website, newlifeca.church slash give. You can give one time, you can give reoccurring, whatever's best for you and, and your budget. And then you can also give by texting the word online to two. 209-647-3878 and you can follow along the prompts it makes it very very easy well with no further ado i want to introduce tonight's special guest and it is a good one tonight i know i say that every week but i it's especially good this week we have our very own pastor troy how you doing pastor troy i'm doing great how are you doing Brian? doing good anything good. new going on in your life what you know to Get the people up to speed you know, who are we're watching just, you. Great question. We're getting ready to leave and take all of our kids and teens to Epic Summer Camp that uh, will depart. I'll leave actually on, on Saturday to do some pre-things, getting ready for the camp and to preach up there and, and on the mountains in Portola at their church. And then uh, the kids and the, you and all of the adults and the workers and the volunteers will all arrive on Monday morning. It's going to be a powerful time next week as we gather together. Absolutely, absolutely. And personally, you got a lot of stuff going on. I know you guys just remodeled part of your home. And yes, yes, it's yes. It's finally coming to an end. I know it's been a, a good but stressful part of your it life. It has and, been. It has been. Yes, we started in March and yeah. and um, with a, with kind of a flood, a water leak in one of our walls, which turned into all the sheetrock being ripped off for 24 inches from the ground up and all the flooring being destroyed in the house and and uh, and so we had ended up deciding okay well if we're gonna do it let's do it we took out a big wall and you and a couple of the other sons-in-law helped get it yeah. out and we just <laughs> tore down the wall it was the wall of Jericho all over <laughs> it was phenomenal and we had a great time doing it but then finally so from March until the end of July we just got the house finished being painted last week and it's been a long haul and many guys in the church have told me if you and your wife can make it through a remodel like this, you can make it through anything. And boy, howdy, it's been a quite a sure. quite a quite an endeavor. Yes. Yeah, I know it. I mean, I'm pretty sure when we took down that wall, I think I heard you whisper under your under your breath, like, "Tear down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev," yes. or something like that. Mr. Gorbachev, <laughs> tear down that wall. I love that quote. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I know you're. I mean, I'm part of your family, so I know this as well. But people at home might not realize your family is expanding in the few in the next yes. coming months. You got a yes. couple 
grandbabies on the way. Are you yeah. excited about that? I am. We have five grandbabies right now. Uh, Brian and, and Trinity have three of them, and then we have two on the way. Um, and Brian and Trinity are responsible for one of those. So <laughs> we have to, we'll have seven grandbabies in the next few months, and God has blessed us. And, oh, yeah. and I'm only 21, so it's amazing how <laughs> how uh, and how. But we're we're really grateful, really really grateful for this season in our lives. Yeah. Me and Trin joke that you know we got to grow the church somehow. Yes, and whatever so, it takes. Uh, yes, yeah, just, we'll just ladies and gentlemen, kids. whatever it takes. <laughs> we'll do anything short of sin. Anything short of sin. That's right. Yes. Um, well, I I always like to have an icebreaker question, kind of get sure. to know each other a little bit more. And again, for the people joining us at home. We want to make sure that you're answering this too because we want to get to know you guys better. But this week's is, I mean, it could be a funny one, could be a serious one, could go either way. So we'll see kind of where it goes. But the iceberg question for this week is this. It's, what's one of the dumbest decisions you've ever made? Oh, my goodness. Um, and I know uh, based on my life, there are plenty, uh, you know, plenty of experiences of dumb decisions but what about you and you guys at home? We want to hear about you. Don't just uh, hear about our dumb decisions. We want to hear about your dumb decisions too. Right. So, I, Pastor, I mean, I've got. I, I need to go in my brain to through the vast uh, <laughs> shelving units library, and I need yep. to look at the volumes of the. And and so one of the dumb decisions that I made was, you know, when your wife warns you about something and you choose to do something different, that's dumb. Um, uh-huh. But we were there was a guy in a church that we pastor, our very first church that we were senior pastors at. And um, he was, uh, he recently got saved, but, um, and so I was very, very trusting. And so I wanted to sell my truck. It was an old beater of a truck. We called it Old Betsy. And I decided to sell the truck and, and um, we sold it for $400. So some just nothing, but it was a lot of money to us at that time. Yeah. And um, uh, he said, well, I get, get paid on Friday. So I gave him the keys on Monday uh, so that he could drive the thing and he could have the thing. I went ahead and transferred it into his name. Uh, without getting paid for it, and we still have yet to receive that four hundred dollars, and so that was a still, dumb decision. You're hopeful that it's I'm, still yeah, coming. It could come, yeah. <laughs> With interest, we're looking at a good check, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's been like thirty years ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. But yeah, I messed up on that one. Dumb decision. What did you learn? What was the big, big takeaway from well, that? Well, uh, what people might say is, don't give an item away until you get paid for it. But the big thing that I took away from that, Brian, is when your wife says, don't do it. <laughs> Don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah, right. You yes. think that's a simple lesson, <laughs> right? But it's, yeah. it's difficult for a lot of husbands to learn that one, right? Absolutely. Just, it yeah. takes repetition. It does, over uh, and over again, yeah. What about you guys at home? We want to know, what dumb decisions have you guys uh, made? And before anyone starts asking me and saying, I didn't know, I'll get mine out there. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, there's a library in my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, I just go to the D section in my brain, dumb decisions. It's probably the biggest section in the whole library. Um, I remember one time along the same lines, um, I, me and Trin, it was the beginning of our marriage and I'm from Montana and, uh, we live in California now, but, uh, you know, we like to go visit my family, uh, at least, you know, twice a year or so up in Montana. But back when we first got married, just kind of like so many other marriages, we just didn't have any money at all. And, but what I had was a little Toyota pickup truck, and that's exactly what it was. That you know, it was before a Tundra or Tacoma or anything like that. Uh, it literally just said to- Toyota on the back of it, and it was called a Toyota pickup. Uh, just a little thing, and I drove it 21 straight hours to get here. It was, you know, I loved that thing. It was a manual, only four speeds, so mm-hmm. you know you can't shift to fi- the fifth gear on the highway. And, <laughs> you know, it's just it was a fun car, fun car. Um, uh, but I remember we wanted to go visit my family over the holidays but we didn't have the money to do so 
And so we're like, okay, we, we didn't have much, you know, to sell either. And so I was like, okay, we, if we want to go, we're going to have to sell my truck. And uh, so we, it, it was made in Montana, so it wasn't made to pass California smog. And so I knew that the chances of us selling it for hardly anything were, were slim. And we got uh, one guy, only one guy uh, offered us, and he offered us $700 and we decided to to take it. That wasn't the dumb decision, all right? We probably could have got more. That was like dumb decision part A. <laughs> part A, yes. uh, There's a multiple dumb decision move here. And uh, I remember it was the first car I'd ever sold. So I, I didn't know how to sell a car. I didn't know about a bill of sale or, you know, taking paperwork to the DMV or anything like that. And uh, I remember it he gave us a $700 so you know we already passed your story we got we actually got the money, got the money yes uh, but he never signed it over to his name which sounds like a good deal until he parked the truck illegally in an illegal zone in San Jose or something like that mm -hmm. and they we started getting tickets sent to oh, our man. address uh, for a lot a lot of money and I remember uh I, now that I'm thinking back on it, I probably should have called my brother. My brother's a lawyer. He probably could have handled it. But we called <laughs> we called forth the closest person we knew to a lawyer to act like a lawyer. And that was, <laughs> that was Pastor Troy right here. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, I mean, if that guy is watching this stream, he is just now realizing that Pastor Troy is actually a pastor and not a... Uh, a Esquire. lawyer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but we tried to put the fear of the Lord in him. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, he eventually got it signed over I think he got it signed over to his name and we got the we had to pay the tickets and stuff like that and so it didn't really work the scare tactic but uh, yeah yeah, it was a dumb decision dumb and now decision. I now I know how to sell a car That's so right. I, I learned from it but uh, <laughs> yeah that was my my dumb decision we'd love to hear about your guys' dumb decisions too but uh, plenty of dumb decisions going on in the uh, the message that you gave us this past uh, weekend yeah. um, but I want to know because you kind of have a unique perspective on the message, because not only are you a listener of the message, but you also wrote it. Um, I see my phone isn't working, doesn't want to change the slide, so I'm going to pull that up here. Technology is fun sometimes, isn't it? Sure. I just don't want the, what's the dumbest decision you ever made to be the entire, the entire stream, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. Um, let's see here. Sorry, everyone. Nope, not that one. Not that one either. Hey, there was four choices, and it was my fourth choice. So there we go. We're firing on all cylinders now. Okay, we'll just do it here. Um, so I just kind of was wondering, I usually ask people what part of the message was the most impactful, but I kind of want to know for you, when you were writing the message, what part of the message was most impactful during the, the writing process? What stuck out to you most? What touched you personally the most? Uh, if you wouldn't mind touching on that. Well, uh, great question. Great question. The Word of God is alive, active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Um, when I read God's Word, sometimes I'll get one angle. I think the meaning is always um, always rich and, and vibrant and relevant to our lives. And so as I was reading about Eli this last time in preparation, I thought, well, maybe I've not been reading it correctly. Maybe maybe there's another meaning, not a hidden meaning, but a but an un... un, um, un unrecognized meaning and when I when I read it through the lens of God's disappointment and his constant pursuit of Eli and trying to draw him back and Eli willfully and deliberately disobeying God when it came to disciplining his children and keeping them on the straight and narrow and even when he was warned by the prophet Samuel who was a young boy at the time 
you got to stop this. You got to knock it off. He decided to stick his head in the sand and all those things together are just like, well, that's, that's not what I want to be as a, as a husband, as a father, yeah. as a grandfather, as a pastor. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really profound. Well, let's get into the story because I want to yeah. cover some of the verses that you covered in the first one. Hopefully the technology works. It's found in the book of first Samuel. So if you have your Bible, turn to there, chapter two, we're going to start in verse 12 and it says this. Of course, yep, my phone's, I'm just not even going to try using my phone anymore. Okay, and it, it says this. It says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. So that is some pretty, I would say some pretty strong language, um, you know, talking about uh, Eli's sons. They were scoundrels. They had no regard for, for the Lord. And so I, I kind of want to know, what, what are your thoughts on Eli's sons when you read that? Like what in your flesh kind of comes to mind? And Yeah. What do you think of? It's very, very frustrating and very disappointed. The Eli's sons were priests, and the only reason they were priests is because they were his sons. Uh, so biologically speaking, they were appointed to that position. They didn't earn it. They didn't go to school. They didn't uh, have, have an anointing upon their lives. They were just priests. And because they, they were, it says they were scoundrels or they were scum, and the reason they were assigned to that, that title is because they were sleeping with women in the church. Uh, horrible abominations. They were stealing the offerings from the church to use for themselves. People were bringing sacrifices to sacrifice before the Lord. And the choicest meat was supposed to be given as a burnt offering unto God. And at that culture, the choicest part of the meat was the fat. Well, they would take the fat for themselves. They would, they would take the choice meat for themselves and enjoy it and eat it themselves. It was, they were an abomination to God. And, and Eli, daddy knew about it. That's the, that's the really tough thing for me to his sons were horrible, but he knew about it, and he was in charge, and he should have done something about it. Ab absolutely. What just stuck out to me as you were talking there is, um, you know, they they were priests, but the only reason that they were priests was because of the family name, right? Because yes. of their lineage. And I think a lot of times in church we talk about the people who had bad childhoods who, you know, kind of had make, to make something of themselves because they didn't have any help from their parents or anything like that. But that wasn't the case here. And I think that this might speak to, uh, I don't know if it's a majority or a minority of, of some Christians, especially in our American culture, that feel like they're Christians because that's what their parents were. And that was their upbringing. And I, I can kind of see some parallels there that that we can kind of ride the coattails of our parents and not even realize that we ourselves are truly messing up and uh, that we think that because of our parents and, and how they raised us, that that is good enough and it makes us better. But I don't think that's always the case. Right. Um, I, you, you used to be a kid's pastor, mm -hmm. and so you've had a lot of experience with seeing kids with tough upbringings and Christian upbringings and and kind of in view of Eli's sons and how Eli, um, he was a priest and he was a good priest, but his sons didn't turn out very well. How have you experienced kids like that? Um, that maybe you wouldn't outright say, you know, they were scoundrels and they were scum, right. but uh, you, you've seen some bad apples. And what, what's your experience been with with kids like that? Well, I don't, I think like Eli, he didn't want his sons to turn out that way. I, I don't think he set out 40 years earlier to say, hey, I want my boys to be scoundrels or scum. I think he really did want the best for them. The problem was his priorities were out of line. And I think for a lot of us, we get our priorities out of line way too easily and way too often. And so for Eli, when his priorities were out of line, he chose, he chose to 
work a second job. We talked about that in this last weekend, but rather than just being the priest and being satisfied with that position, he said, I'm also going to be um, the, uh, the the judge, which is another full-time position. It usually would take two full-time people to do these, I mean, full-time, like lifetime service for these. But he decided he wanted to be in both of these. Maybe he was a little narcissistic, I'm not sure, but he wanted to be in both of these positions. And because of that, he wanted to do good, really well at work, kept him from maybe focusing and concentrating on on what was really important, and that's that was the raising of his children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so he didn't do that, and he abdicated that. So here's what I would say as a children's pastor, still a kid's pastor, just a much bigger kids, um, I would say um, we can step into that role of spiritual father and spiritual mother. So we have a re- responsibility that we can't just you know brush our hands and, and slap our forehead and say, well, they don't have a very good parent. It's, that's a bummer. We can step into that role and we can rescue the perishing. We can help this next generation, which Absolutely. is why we take these kids to camp and why we give of our time and our energy and our money and whatever it takes to make sure that these Absolutely. kids feel loved and cared about nurtured and, and 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 trained in the things of God. So great question, Brian. And there's kind of a couple sides to this I see. There's like the people who are grown-ups now who had bad childhoods who yeah. can see some of the parallels in their life, but we also have the people who are parents right now, especially mm-hmm. like me and Trin, we're parents of young ones right now, young impressionable minds. Yes. And not that it's ever too late in your parenting journey to kind of change up how you parent, but um, what would you say to parents right now who who I would say there's no one out there who's like I'm going to be a bad parent who wants to be a bad parent but there are we just slip into bad habits we we can get lazy and we we don't even it's not like an instant decision it's like this slippery slope that we go down is, yeah. we don't even realize we went down what would you say to parents like that do you have any advice for them on in like current age mm-hmm. how to raise good children and not necessarily, you know, like yeah. what do you, what do they need to do about themselves to sure. be a good parent? Okay, I've got, I've got a great. I feel like one of the things Jesus was was Jesus was interruptible, and mm. so you see him on his way through the town, and little Zacchaeus runs up and climbs up the tree and gets is 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 interruptible. Now here's the deal about parents: is we have to make sure we train our children that they can't always interrupt us, but we as parents need to be interruptible. Um, what we learned in our parenting with our wonderful girls was. Um, uh, they didn't always want to talk when we felt like we wanted to talk. They didn't want to always want to hear the life lessons when we felt compelled to give them life lessons. Yeah, so true. But when they were ready, they began to talk, and it never gelled at the same ever gelled at the same time. It's like when they're ready to talk, I'm in the middle of something. I'm I'm, I'm I feels like I'm awfully busy. But when we allowed ourselves to be interruptible, oh, they want to talk now. Um, we learn to set things aside when those impressionable moments came along. And, and by being interruptible without giving them a clue, I hope yeah. that they felt like they were in control, but just be like, okay, this is the, usually happen at night. I'm tired. I just want to relax and watch TV or whatever it is. And they want to chit chat. Okay. Um, I, I'm going in, talking to them and pray for them and going to leave the room. And they asked me a question and I'm like, and inside I'm going, I just want to go ride the couches right out. I just want to go out there and lay down and just tired. But being interruptible says, okay, let me scoot over, honey. And I go and lay down with them and listen to their question and stare up at the ceiling with them and try to talk with them and and just connect. And those interruptible moments, even though the questions maybe we feel like aren't that important, they're very important to them. And that's where the bond is built and that's where the trust is built. And so be interruptible as parents if you can. Um, 
try. Yeah. I think another way of saying that too would be like be engaged. Yes. Uh, just like you say on here. Yeah. Engage. Yeah, yeah. Engaged is yeah. so, so important because yes. I get it as a parent of, you know, three and soon to be four really young kids. Right. Yeah. I get what it's like to put in a full day of work, mm-hmm. be mentally exhausted, go home. And it's not like the kids are all perfect. And, right. you know, you yeah. go home and it can be chaos. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get it that there's probably a lot of parents out there like, how do you how do you get home after a really long day of work and be mentally just done and just not, you know, be like, I, I don't have the energy to give to my kids. They let's put on a TV show, let's watch yeah. a movie and just I need to veg out for a little bit. What would you say to a parent that's like that? Because on one hand, we get it. Yeah. But on the other hand, that's also not okay. And I, you know, I feel like I'm in a unique position to be able to say that to people that I know it's tough, yeah. but for the sake of your kids, you kind of, you have to do it. You know, what would you say to that? Well, I think it's, it comes back to priorities and perspective. Yeah. The priorities and the perspective is I'm not working um, because that's the goal. That's what Eli would say. I was a really good priest. And I was an awesome. Uh, yeah. I was awesome. You know, uh, um, uh, judge. Um, but it, but he sucked at being a dad. And and that was a bigger lesson. In fact, God tried to get his attention three times that we read in Scripture, um, in various ways. Hey, you gotta you gotta correct this. Not just discipline your boys, but you got to redirect their paths. They're going down. They're they're going down uh, the path of destruction. And so I would I would say that we need as parents. Um, to remember on the drive home, uh, when you get to the front door before you go in the house, maybe remind yourself that I did this labor all day long so that I get to spend this this couple of hours with my family before I take my kids and, and put them to bed. Um, that's hard. I'm not making light of it. But if you keep reminding yourself of the priorities and what we're doing and how this is only temporary, and I'm telling you, it will only be the snap of your fingers and those children will be, will be grown. And, and uh, now's the time. There's no time to waste. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. There is too much information going on for just one video. So here's what's going to happen. We are going to put off the rest of this video till next week. So come back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. or excuse me, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for part two of our Talk It Over with Pastor Troy. I promise you, you aren't going to want to miss this.